Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 14 of the Masterclass. I am Cam, and I'm with my good friend Dave. As always, he's yet to bail on me, so... Yes, I'm here once again. 14 for 14. We're good. <laughs> uh, Dave, how are you, man? I'm very well. It's good to be back with you again. It is. I'm a little... Uh, I feel unprepared. That's all right. But I'm sure I'll just do a good job. Well, Give I think, it the old college try. I think we both always have something to say. So that's... <laughs> yeah, we're not really ever shy on opinions. Hey, uh, Dave, you got any good jokes? Uh, you know, I actually have a joke that my father-in-law uh, shared with me. So I'll share it with our listeners. Okay. And they can uh, let us know if they think it's funny or not. So, um, and this would be, you know... 1950s maybe kind of a thing so I'm very familiar with that decade okay so you got a couple of beat cops and they're out on the beat <laughs> that's that's why i'm saying it's 1950s because oh, now we gotcha. get dispatched to stuff swinging so. their their uh, billy clubs and their swinging keys. their billy clubs they're all on the beat and they call in to the station and uh they have what they call the crime branch and they're like hey crime branch uh we got a homicide okay so um seems that a woman has shot her husband for uh, stepping on a floor she has just mopped. So the floor's still wet, he stepped on it, and she shot him. <laughs> so the sergeant that's on the other end of the phone taking the call in says, uh, have you arrested the woman? And uh, the, the beat cop that's still on the scene says, no, sir, the floor is still wet. <laughs> so oh, my uh, that is uh, courtesy <laughs> of my uh, father-in-law. So... He was an officer too, wasn't he? No, no, no. This is my my wife's dad, so not her stepdad. Oh, okay, gotcha. So anyway, I got my response was about like yours. I got a little chuckle out of it. I was like, yeah, that's (laughs) kind of cute. So okay, so I wasn't planning on sharing this, but it just happened yesterday at the bank. Uh, We have this couple. They're you know probably well into their seventies. Nice little couple, and we always chit chat and. He you know, tells me how they're greeters at church and yada, yada, yada. And then he goes and says a blatantly racist joke towards blacks. Ouch. Citing the current state of Baltimore and the Freddie Gray thing. And makes a joke and he just belly laughs. <laughs> I w- and I'm not even going to repeat what the joke was because it's just not... In- He's always got jokes, and they're always usually kind of funny. And uh, but he said that, and it's just like, <laughs> like slap at his knee. And everybody just, else is no. Just... Well, it was just me, and, oh. and the girl that I work with is half white and half black. Oh no! She, and she would have just, she, she would have yeah. just, you know, like blown it off because that's just she's a very cool. She doesn't let stuff get to her, especially when customers say things. She just, I get like angry and heated. She just lets it roll. I mean, she doesn't care. Um, but he said this joke and like he was laughing and waiting for me to laugh and I just shook my head and handed him his receipt and said, have a nice day. I was floored. Like immediately lost respect for this guy that I've known for, you know, as a customer for almost mm-hmm. a year. And I was just like, how can you go from talking to me about guitars and being involved at your church and playing in the worship band to literally 10 seconds later citing a very, very... Uh, real and um, scary situation in Baltimore. I mean, riots and people getting arrested and people getting hurt and looting and like all that stuff, and then making a racist joke about that. I, I just, I just scratched my head. I, I was, I mean, I was actually, I was really upset. I was like, how can? Yeah. Because I love jokes. I love making jokes. I love puns. But like, there's a, there's a line you cross. Like, and to me. That racial line, like, you just, you don't cross that. Right. But then I told my wife, I was like, well, I, I guess it's true that most old white men are racist. Like, and I hate to make such a sweeping generalization, but it's just like, oh my God. Like, he thought it was totally okay to make that joke. I'm still angry <laughs> about it. Yeah, that's the world we live in, and at... I'm surprised at how often it still occurs. I, I, well, I mean, I, I'm kind of naive. Like, I'm like, people are really that way? I'm like you. It's like, what? And it was it, it was just like totally just like casual, just like, oh, here's a joke about, about black folks. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. This... But anyhow, I, I wish I had some sort of point. I just kind of wanted to vent about that because <laughs> I just thought it was unbelievable that someone who 
says they follow Christ can just follow that right up with a very derogatory joke. Yeah. Anyhow, we should move on. Sounds good. Because now I want to tell what the joke was to give it context so everyone else will be equally upset, but I'm not going to say it because that would just perpetuate the stupidity of such a comment. So, uh, anything else, Dave? Please save the podcast. <laughs> save it quick. You know, I don't have I don't know that I have anything to save it other than uh, we could start uh, digging into the scripture that we're going to take a look at tonight. All right. Well, before I do that, where can people find the show notes ah. for this very episode? <laughs> for this very episode, uh, I believe that you can go to masterclassfm.com mm-hmm. and there's going to be a slash yes. and it's going to be episode 14. Almost. Does it, it just say 14? Well, you got to go slash <laughs> masterclassfm.com <laughs> slash masterclass. Masterclass slash, slash 14. 14. Yes, because our website has many subpages. There's the blog, which <laughs> we haven't we haven't written on in a while, but we've got no. we've got stuff. We're we're working on a secret project. Should I tell them what the secret project is? Sure, be? yeah. That way they can hold us accountable. <laughs> yes. Uh, so we're working on a book, and we are hopefully it's going to be the first book in a series of three about the Sermon on the Mount. And so the first book is just going to cover Matthew chapter 5. And so it's going to be a lot of what we've discussed about on the podcast thus far, but we're going to be able to go into much greater depth and explanation um, than we can on a uh, you know 45-minute to an hour-long podcast. So we have started working on that. Uh, I have no idea when it will be available. Never really done something like this before. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so look, look forward to that sometime in the future in the future yes <laughs> we'll be very vague about it uh also if you wanted to get in touch with us on twitter you can do so at masterclass fm is the show's twitter account i am at cam brennan and dave is at 108 hbo that's t-e-n the number eight the letters hbo yes all right we'd love to hear from you so much for our little commercial there we should get a jingle. <laughs> Masterclass FM. <laughs> do, do, do. No, we probably shouldn't. All right. Dave? Yes, sir. Bible me. All right. So we are at Matthew 6, uh, continuing in the um, Lord's Prayer, or what we now refer to as the Lord's Prayer after uh, Jesus' disciples asked him how to pray. And we're going to take a look at Matthew 6, 12, and 13. And it says, Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors, and lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. Very familiar words. Yes. All right, so let's start simple. Mm-hmm. It's always a good place to start, I feel. What is our daily bread? Because that's kind of a, a phrase you don't really hear outside of this passage um i would say our our daily bread is any need that we have Uh, you know i think obviously food becomes you know talking about bread so that's i think the thing that uh is pretty clear but i I would say it encompasses everything that we need Uh, food shelter um you know to be loved by people I, i think it truly is talking about um, our physical needs uh, when we say to pray for our daily bread. And um, I think there's a tendency to, well, I know personally I will have a tendency to over-spiritualize things. And I believe that this is truly a just a concrete prayer of give me what I need today. And as we've talked about many times uh, during our podcast of if you live in America and you have a job, you probably have just about everything that you really need. And so um, I think it's easy for us to, to not pray this prayer or to not ask for those things. And uh, well, I think it's easy for us to assume that we don't need them because we can provide them for ourselves. Yeah. But I also think it can be gone very quickly. <laughs> yeah. That's I think that's... Um, 
personally, I try to remember that because I, I do take that for granted. And so, um, you know, for what it's worth, my family and I, we pray uh, before we have dinner together. And it's generally a pretty simple prayer of just thank you for our blessings and thank you for the food that we're about to receive. And um, I think it's important to, to, um, to, to always pray before a meal and not for anybody else's benefit, but simply from a heart of God, I appreciate what I have. And, um, you know, the other thing too is, is if, um, this kind of a random thought that just came to me is if you're in public and you're going out to eat, I think a lot of times, um, well, you, well, my family often will not pray when we go out to eat because I don't think we like the show of bowing our heads and drawing attention to ourselves. Oh God, you are so large. Thank you for this food. Uh, where, you know, the reality is, is um, we can certainly pray without bowing our heads and, mm-hmm. you know, enter into that just a simple, as we sit there as a family looking at each other, just to say, God, thank you for this food. We appreciate the fact that we don't have to wonder where our next meal is coming from. And, um so yeah, I, I think it's a, I, I, this is a very con- to me this is a very concrete, very tangible prayer that we are asking for. It is God, please meet our needs, whether you have what you need or you don't have what you need. God is still the person that provides that. Um, and I think, like you said, it's easy to kind of think we provide for ourselves, but uh, I don't know. I get that very quickly that could be gone. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I was reading this and thinking about, you know, what questions we should discuss, um, I kind of thought at first, like, I never really had this thought before, but I was like, man, this seems kind of cocky. Like, hey, God, give me what I need. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's direct, that's for mm-hmm. sure. But in, in your explanation of it and just thinking through, I kind of realized, no, it's the exact opposite of cocky. It's in order to approach God and say, please give me what I need in order mm-hmm. to survive, it's incredibly humbling. You know? And especially when you view it from the aspect of, like, most people today um, in America and Europe that can provide for themselves because they have a well-paying job, they live in a country with a good economy, you know, it's it takes a concerted... Uh, or it, it takes a decision on our part to believe what the scripture says and so when someone who is making enough money to own a home and own a vehicle and go on vacation and eat and and clothe themselves uh to say to god please give me my daily bread give me what i need to get through the day today is uh, i think a very un-american sentiment from the uh chase success be a self-made man pick yourself up from the bootstraps you know the the Porter Rich or uh, Rags to Riches, you know, type of story. Yeah, and just even the American dream, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's all you be a self-made, you know, mm-hmm. man or woman. Um, and so I think asking God to give us what we need for the day is a very uh, should come from a a very humble heart of yes, I you know I have money, I have a house, but I thank you that I have those things that you've put me in a position where. You know, knowing where my next meal is going to come from is more a, a matter of choice than it is, you know, do I want to eat here, here, or do I want to eat what's at home? Right. Um, and so acknowledging the uh, the humility that it takes to approach God and say, thank you for the abundance that I do have. Mm-hmm. I may not be the richest man on the planet, but I mean, a middle-class American is richer than an obscene yeah. percentage of the rest of the world. Yeah. And that's really hard, especially for me to fathom when, you know, we're, we're paying the bills and we're just kind of like, okay, we need to not eat out so much, like, because we've got to pay this and that. And, you know, and just when you feel like you don't have a lot of money because, you know, like I live in a three bedroom house with two bathrooms. I don't have any kids. There's two people to live here. (laughs) So like we obviously have way more house than we need. Um, but we chose it, and we, we pay for things like Netflix and HBO and uh, Internet, and, you know, we buy more clothes than we need. You know, like, 
stuff that we think we need, but we have this expendable income to a certain extent, not certainly yeah. a lot. It, but because of that, you feel I feel like man, if I only had more money, or I wish I made more money, or I'm you know I'm considering this job because it pays so much more than what I currently have. It's like, is that really what I should be focused? Because I love to spend money. I love it. I love spending money. Um, but in that that struggle of I wish I had more money I wish I had more money so I could do this that and the other thing it's clear that my uh, satisfaction with what I have and where I'm at is is tied more to money than it is to God yeah and um, you know when I read this I'm just kind of like I got my daily bread I I can handle that (laughs) Give me this other stuff, you know, and God's really like, no, 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 no. You need to be at a spot in your life um, where you understand and appreciate that every single thing that you have is because of me. Yeah. And that's a dramatic shift in point of view and purpose um, for me, and I would assume for a lot of other people that yeah. are in a similar situation. Well, and that's, I think anybody that's been to a third world country understands just even what having clean water is about. And for that matter, a developing world country, uh, oftentimes they have the water, but there's still a lot of those kinds of things. And um, there's a just a, a comic out there where it's, you've got a child that's, you know, you, you get the sense that they're from a third world country. They don't have what they need. And they're talking to an American. Mm-hmm. And basically the, the caption underneath the, the comic says, so let me get this straight. You have so much clean water that you poop in it. <laughs> Maybe that was better than the cop joke. Oh, right? that was way better than the cop joke. No offense to your, to your father-in-law. But I'm but, a sucker for a good poop joke. But so, you know, and if you really think about it, it is true. We have, we poop in... I mean, we have clean water, mm-hmm. and we poop in it, we pee in it, and we flush it, and it's, we don't think twice about it. And oh my gosh, people in a third world country That's would totally would, give me the show title. <laughs> <laughs> they would never fathom, even if even if they reach to the point of they've got all the clean water that they could deal with, it would probably be quite a while before they start going. Hey, you know what? We need to be pooping and peeing in this stuff. Oh and flushing gosh. it down the drain. And I was even going to make the comment of like, you take for granted having a toilet. Mm-hmm. You know, Which I, you do. And if you, and again, I, I, I would highly encourage anyone who has never been to a third world country or for that matter, places in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I would, well, I, would I would say certain parts of Mexico are third. Yeah. But, it, but as a whole, I would say Mexico is no. kind of a second. Yeah. It's an, no. it's a developing country. But there are certainly places in Mexico where, mm. you know, people live in huts, they live in shacks, they live, you know, they live outside the local dump because the local dump is a resource. Right. You know, there's stuff in the dump that we can use to build our home, to feed our family, to, to do the things that we need to do. And one of the things that is just blazingly absent is um, fresh running water and being able to poop in a comfortable <laughs> clean bathroom yeah. um so anyway uh yeah I, I'm, I'm thinking of ethiopia now yeah our, our, our hotel rooms had toilets but everywhere we everywhere that we went throughout the day did not it was eye-opening yeah anyhow wow that that question went places <laughs> i wasn't expecting <laughs> All right, so uh, next question. In verse 12 it says, And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And the question I have is, does this prayer presume that we have forgiven other people? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that I would say is is that our salvation Mm -hmm. is not dependent on us forgiving others. I, 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 that, you know, so there's, there's kind of this, this again, tension is one of the words that I, I use quite a bit when it comes to my faith and, 
and kind of hammering out some of the things that I read in the Bible and what Jesus said. But I think there is a tension between um, the fact that God forgives us as we forgive others. However, <laughs> yeah. our, our salvation is not dependent on yeah. that. And um, so, yeah, I, I think there is that expectation of um, forgiveness. And I think it's just, it's central uh, to the gospel message of, of, of being forgiven and that expectation that we forgive others. And where, where I will say the difference is, is that um, when, when God forgives us, there is an element of he is a just, holy God. And so for us to be in his presence and to experience him, we have to be without sin. We have to, there's something that has to, uh, God can't really be in the presence of sin sort of thing. So we have to have... Must be nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> <laughs> very true. Because, boy, I sin all the time. Um, uh, God... Um, I lost my train of thought there, but, um, no, you're fine. Um, uh, so, so anyway, so for us to be in the presence of God, there has to be a forgiveness of sins and that Jesus did that for us by dying on the cross. Uh I think for us in the forgiveness of others, it's very different. Um, I think there's, there's, there's a lot of different things going on there that I don't know that when I, when I kind of say what I'm going to say, I'm going to be able to hit on everything. But one, it's healthy for us. Um, I think it, it makes us... Um, the, the things that I think about um, in my life where I am dissatisfied, disgruntled, and I get frustrated with the world the way it is, a lot of it can come be boiled down to my lack of forgiveness of others. I like to hold a grudge. I like to complain about other people. That's probably one of the things that I do more often than other in terms of sinning, of just talking about people in an unfair way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how often does somebody say something like, um, well, this doesn't really matter to me, or uh, I don't really care, but, and then they, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, they say something. And I was like, well, obviously you do still care because you're holding that grudge. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I think there's, there's something that's just healthy for us there. And then there's just that sense of um, our debt that we owe to God for the sin that we have committed is infinite. It is just so huge and so big we can't even comprehend it. So again, we've had a million dollar debt forgiven for us, and yet we're going up to the guy that owes us five bucks and saying, hey, where's my five bucks? And then when he doesn't have it, we're starting to you know pound on him. So There's a parable about that. Yeah, somewhere in the Bible. We'll get there eventually. Eventually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I find it interesting that it wasn't like, and forgive us our debts as we will or as we should forgive our debtors. It was no, as we also have forgiven. Like, it's already done. Mm-hmm. We have already forgiven those people. And it just, it struck me again, like the give us our daily bread was so direct. Um, this is direct in a similar way in that it's just assuming You've already done this. Mm-hmm. You've already taken it upon yourself to go forgive those people. Yeah. Um, and obviously some translations use debts. Others use... Uh, trespassing. Trespassing. Others use sin. Mm-hmm. More modern day languages. Yeah. Those who've sinned, which... I Like, even that to me is like, I sin against God. I'm not sure somebody sins against me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, like I am a little bit more comfortable with uh, uh, somebody kind of transgressing against me or a, a debt, you know, in terms of that sort of thing. Yeah, because even in uh, the psalm that, that David's talking about, how he had Uriah killed and he slept with Bathsheba and all stuff, he says, God, against you and you alone have I sinned. I had an adulterous affair with a woman. I, I got her pregnant. And then I tried to get her husband. I didn't try. I got her husband drunk so he'd go home and sleep with her. didn't work. So then I had him killed. But against you and you alone <laughs> have I sinned. Yeah. Um, which has always been one of those head scratchers to me. It's like, mm, I'm pretty sure you screwed up <laughs> other people. I mean, you, you had a dude killed and you got a married woman pregnant. Yeah. So, Psalm, that's Psalm 51.4. 
against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. So, yeah, that, that Psalm 51 is uh, a lament of a very sinful man that has been convicted of his sin. And I think that's a big part of what this verse is about, is just that conviction, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, there, you, You're never going to arrive in this life. You're never going to get your stuff together. If we weren't on a Christian podcast, I'd use a different four-letter word. <laughs> yeah, we can't be... <laughs> but that's a five-letter we... word. <laughs> stuff. Oh, I'd right. use a different four-letter word. Right. So. We'd be the only explicit Christian podcast, Dave. It'd be our niche. <laughs> or our niche, depending on how you choose yeah. that word. But, yeah, you don't ever have your act together. And so, um, Psalm 51 is a wonderful place to read this and just kind of, um, at least for me, I look at this and just go, God, this should be the desire of my heart. When I think about my relationship with you and how I live my life and the things that I have done, and granted, I haven't slept with another man's wife. I haven't gotten her pregnant and I didn't kill her husband by putting him on the front lines of the battle line. But I read Psalm 51 and it's like, you know, there's plenty in my heart. That mm-hmm. So definitely need his mercy. It's a very easy thing to forget or to, you know, like you said, to hold a grudge or to put yourself on a pedestal where you can't believe that someone would have done that to you when you've done the exact same thing. Yeah. I just well, think it's hard. You know, not to go too far down the line with forgiveness either. I think there's, there's very much an element of... Um, going before God and asking him to forgive us our sins against another person. Uh, Because I think many times when we need to forgive somebody, if we were to go to them and be like, hey, I forgive you for doing this to me, my guess is most time they're not going to even know that they've done that. And the only thing that we're accomplishing when we go to somebody is to say, hey, this is how much you hurt me, and I want you to know this is how much you hurt me, and so I'm forgiving you. And so I do think there's an element of, in terms of forgiveness and forgiving those who trespass against us, that sin against us, is going before God uh, in our quiet time before Him and just saying, I forgive these people. Mm -hmm. And I don't believe that it's always necessary to contact that other person and say, hey, I want you to know I forgive you for this. Because, again, I think it becomes more about ourselves than actually forgiving them. Um, And, again, with everything that we talk about, there probably are those situations where, you know, um, the thing that's coming to my mind is is maybe um, if your parents are divorced or something like that. Um, My guess would be uh, parents that have divorced that have children know they've done some harm to their children. Mm -hmm. And so if you've really come to a place where uh, you've forgiven your parents for a divorce, that might be one of those times where you just go, hey, mom, hey, dad, I just want you to know I forgive you for this. There, so, so there are those times. Well, and that can lead to some healing. And, exactly. You know. But then again, if the person is clueless as this and it's kind of your own little deal that you've got to hang up on, it's okay just to go before God and say, I forgive this person mm-hmm. versus there needing to be a... a confrontation or contacting that person yeah so all right next question (laughs) um what does this prayer or this this portion of the prayer i should say uh tell us about our need to rely on god this like the verses that we just read 11 12 and 13 Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, uh, again, I, for me, I look at my life and my wife and I and our family, we have been incredibly blessed. 
we have very rarely had to go without anything. I did nothing. This is this is actually kind of one of my pet peeves is immigration. Um, when people and this total tangent, you're like I can already <laughs> see the look on your face. Like, where are you going with this? But I did nothing to be born in this country. I mean, I'm truly blessed to have been born in America, and and, and even in that matter, being born in the suburbs versus the urban core, or I hope I don't offend anybody, a trailer court. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I did nothing to do for my lot in life. So I'm very blessed by the fact that I am where I am. And, you know, when people tell, say things about, well, you know, immigrants shouldn't come to this country, I'm just like... I wouldn't be alive if immigrants didn't come to this country. Exactly. My my ancestors, a couple hundred years ago, I don't, well, maybe a little bit longer than that. My folk, my ancestors Shoot, maybe... my grandparents came over here in the 50s. Did they? From Scotland. I'm, I'm, my, my grandmother's 100% Swedish. Really? Yes, and so her parents were born in Sweden. She was born in this country. Yeah, my mom's 100% Scottish. I'm a second-generation so, American on her side. Yeah. My mom was a immigrant kid. Really? Granted, they spoke English, but her friends were like, what language did your parents speak? Her <laughs> Scottish accent was so thick. Really? Yeah. Wow, like, that's Her amazing. friends would be like, can you translate what your dad just said? <laughs> it's like, he's talking in English. Can you not understand? <laughs> I, you kind of do that. Yeah. But, <laughs> that's a, there's a Mike Myers skit in that somewhere. Mm-hmm. Heat, move! <laughs> it's like an orange on a toothpick. <laughs> it's got its own gravitational pull. His head is huge. He's going to go upstairs and cry himself to sleep on his huge pillow. <laughs> so anyway. Yeah, sorry. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I think this just makes... This element of the prayer of just for us in America that have clean water, that have a roof overhead, don't wonder where our next meal is coming from. And, you know, if 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 you make more than $30,000 a year, I'm going to say you're probably doing pretty stinking well compared to people that have lived throughout history mm-hmm. and live around the world even today. And so um, that can very easily be gone. There's, um, I, I, um, uh, one of my old, uh, colleagues slash boss, his name is Jarrett Meek. He continues to have a ministry in the inner city of Kansas City, Kansas. And he always referred to the myth of continuity, that things will always be the way they are now. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is, you know, in England in 1930s, they probably believed life was always going to be the way it was going to be. And then they got... Bombed, bombed, and bombed by the the, the, the you know the Germans and mm-hmm. um, you know we just we never know what it may be that turns our world upside down and it's in those times of need those places where um, we are just dependent on him that we turn to God and um, you know it's referred to as foxhole religion sometimes but I don't. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, 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 you know, when you're at the very end of your rope and turning to God, that's kind of what He's there for. He's kind of waiting, and so like it's about time. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, long-winded response to uh, these these verses eleven, twelve, and thirteen, and that we haven't even touched on thirteen completely yet. Just make me realize I'm dependent on him for my everyday need. I'm dependent on him for the forgiveness of my sins. The The debt that he has wiped out for me is infinitely bigger than any debt that anybody has against me in terms of wrongdoing. And then um, we're going to talk about temptation and that here in a little bit. But again, I think it's just a dependence on him because uh, I'm very weak on all three of these types of things. So any thoughts? Um, well, yeah, yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Always, always <laughs> thoughts. Uh, just not sure if they're gonna be beneficial. Um, I think, uh, Jesus was very clever when he gave this, example to the disciples um like he 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 almost not almost he sets these verses up with the first two 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. So you've already got this uh, vocabulary that is pretty much stating the grandness and uh, majesty of God. Our God in heaven, your name be holy and set apart from all other things. Let your kingdom come here as it is there. Um, like you, you're, You've already entered into the conversation with God acknowledging everything that he is. Um, and so it almost seems logical that our next steps would be, please just give me what we need. Help me to forgive as you have forgiven me. Like it, it, it's a lot different than most of my prayers, which I don't even start with. Every once in a while, I'll say, God, thank you for this, thank you for that. But then quickly, it's like, and I need, 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 and I want, 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 and okay, bye. You know, and I don't, I don't, my prayers then become like a little, uh, like, checklist or an email that's just like, hey, can you take care of this? Sweet, thanks. As opposed to saying, taking the time to appreciate and God for who he is and let mm-hmm. him know that I appreciate that. Because after you do that, like genuinely say god you're great oh my gosh thank you for this i can't believe that you love me when i do this and you really don't have any other choice at that point than to say and please give me what i need and please help me to forgive those and be merciful Mm -hmm. and show grace um because you've you've kind of you've brought yourself to the foot of the throne and you have acknowledged in your heart how good god is you don't have a choice really unless you're a psycho to say I need your help you know thank you for offering it it's just it I don't know if I'm explaining this well at all I feel like I'm just rambling but I feel like Jesus is clever in that he sets it up to you talk about God to him first and then once you fully realized who you're talking to Mm -hmm. and that you get to talk to him then you can say okay please provide for me yeah, and I think that is a uh, very strong um, indicator of who is in charge and mm-hmm. who makes things happen. Um, and so I just think this prayer tells us everything we need to know about relying on God. Yeah, we must at all times. <laughs> yeah, rely on God. Yeah, for the little things and for the big things, because yep. ultimately it comes down to. And I, I keep thinking about the Jews in the wilderness, you know, with Moses, and just how, you know, he provides them with manna, mm-hmm. which, if I understand correctly, the translation of manna is literally, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> I had never heard that before. That's what I, that's, it, it, again, well, maybe. two good show titles. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, but yeah, the translation of manna is, what is it? And it was literally like. Oh, that's funny. They had all they needed for a day. And if they collected more than that when they, they got rot, up next day, yeah. it was rotten and it had worms in it and that sort of thing. And then even when they were like, okay, the manna isn't good enough, he sends in a flock of quail and they kill the quail and all that kind of stuff. And it's just like, and again, it's, I can't imagine doing anything for 40 years because I'm 44 years old. So, you know, it, it's easy for me to judge them or be like, well, gosh, God was providing this food for you every day kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, let alone doing it for 40 years. And the reality is, is that is the God that we serve. He will provide for us. You know, time and again, he talks about, you know, the, the lilies in the field or the grass in the field or two spare or two sparrows, two, a sparrow, you know, just things that don't fret about where their food's going to come from, where their needs are going to come from. And that we are, we are just that much more important to him. Um, and those things and he will provide for us and I just I think he likes it I think he gets a kick like I think he finds joy in providing for us and us coming before him and going I acknowledge that this is from you and a blessing because he likes to give good gifts so that's true all right I kind of want to roll these last two questions into one okay that's fine um 
Well, we'll just go with the, with the last one. Why do we pray not to be tempted when James 1, 2 tells us that testing of our faith produces steadfastness? Um, so the verse says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And if you take a look at, I think James 1, 2 is sort of a, a snapshot of, of the New Testament mm-hmm. and things that we encounter in the New Testament of that there's going to be trials and there's going to be temptations. And um, I don't know that I completely have the answer to this, but as I've molded over and kind of prayed about it and wrestled with God, I just think there's an element of saying to God, don't give me more than I can handle. Um, because we are going to be tested. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the nature of being a Christian in a fallen world, is we're going to be tested, and we're going to have trials, and we're going to have temptations. And I, I, I personally believe that, and if I'm incorrect in this, please lead me correct, correct me down the right path, but the testing of our faith is the same as being tempted. Not always the same, you know, temptation is not always being tested because I think there's many ways that we can be tested, but I do believe that being tempted is one of those, mm-hmm. one of those ways. And I, I, the, the simple thing that I came down to was, is God don't give me more than I can handle. And I think he's very clear in scripture that, uh, and I want to say it's first, first Corinthians 10, <laughs> 1 Corinthians 10, 13 is what is coming to my mind. And that's like probably some, something totally off, but I will, <laughs> I will look here real quick. Um, so 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you that has not come to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you will be able to endure it. So I think there's definitely this sense of we are going to be tempted. We are going to be tempted. Temptation is a part of our existence here in this world. But again, it is in conjunction with those first two verses that we were we were talking about. I, in and of myself, cannot resist that temptation. Me, Dave Hogue, in my humanness, I am going to give in to temptation. Uh-huh. I'm going to look at things I shouldn't look at. I'm going to say things about people I shouldn't say. I'm going to even think things that I, sh- I shouldn't think. And God says that every temptation we experience, and, and I truly believe this, I think Jesus experienced it in a way that I can't quite comprehend, but I do believe he experienced every human temptation that we experience. I think he was, was tempted um, on a sexual level, I think he was tempted in terms of wanting to lie. Mm-hmm. I think he was tempted in terms of doing things his way versus the way God would have him do it. Um, sure. So I, I wholeheartedly believe that is true. But again, God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. So you're going to be tempted. But I know who you are. I know you where you are in your walk. And if you will just trust in me. I will give you what you need to, um, to overcome this temptation. So make sense. It's, I, I guess that's kind of where I was, I, I came to with, with wrestling this because honestly, on, on initial reading for me, I, I was sort of like, lead us not in temptation. It's like, well, do you, does God lead us in temptation? And I don't think well, he the does. Holy Spirit drove Jesus. Yeah, to, exactly. To the wilderness. To be tempted. Exactly. He took him into the wilderness For that to purpose. be tempted. Yeah. yeah, which we've talked about probably in episode... Episode one. It was episode one. Yes. <laughs> Almost, gosh. Five months five ago? Five months ago. <laughs> in a few days, yeah. Yeah, I, I do find that interesting, especially because it's Jesus saying this. And Jesus, as we just said, was led into the wilderness to be tempted. Um I just, it's a very interesting way that it's worded to me for the reasons that, that you brought up. Um, I just, I don't know if I have a answer that satisfies me yet.
with this. Um, you, you throw in James 1, 2, you throw in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, and then Jesus is saying, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Like, he's already done that, hasn't he? Yeah. In the long term, right? And, and really all that matters is that he's already delivered us from evil. Um, and I really, uh, I don't know, I, this might be good for a follow-up for next week. I want sure. I want to dive into the the Greek and see kind of what the options are, even though that really is how it's always been translated. Um, but I want to I want to get to what what words are being used for temptation and evil. And yeah, because lead and deliver. Because for for those that don't know, um, the Greek. A lot of the Greek words that are used in the in the New Testament have much deeper or um, artful definitions than some of their English counterparts. Unfortunately, um, English can be a flowery language, but not by default. No. Um, and and Greek has a lot more uh, oomph to a lot of their words. So I would like to look into that, and I just want more time to think about it because it does seem to me to be not an easy um, correlation between the two. So that's kind of where I'm at on that. I wish I had something else to say. But <laughs> it's just it's just kind of an odd an odd thing to me. Yeah, and. This is a little bit off the subject here, but as I look at this, it's actually James 3 that says... Oh, okay. Um, so James 2 says, Count all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. And then 3 says, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And, let's, and then verse 4, And let steadfastness have its effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And boy, whoo! Certainly not perfect, lacking in a whole lot of things. <laughs> but it just, and again, I, I even think this is just the root of what, it, what we're talking about right now is the very root of why I think you and I are doing this podcast where we're talking about this is that element of, um, there is an expectation from God for us to arrive at a certain point in our faith. And again, I don't know that it happens in this world or if it happens in the next life. But I don't think we live this life going, I'm never going to obtain it, so why bother? Mm -hmm. I think there is certainly a, a pursuit of things in this life. And, um, I, you know, I know there's a big question of what's the meaning of life. And if I had to sum it up, I would certainly um, default to the purpose of our life is to glorify God, certainly. But what does that mean to glorify God? And that's kind of where I think we're at in terms of what you're talking, to a certain extent of what you're talking about, of what do these words mean? Uh, how do they impact us? Um, and uh, again, I... I I think I talked about this in the first episode or maybe one of the, the, the precursors to us actually doing episodes. It's just that this is a thinking faith. Mm -hmm. And I don't always know that the words thinking and faith are supposed to go together. Um, no, I do too. But they don't, it's kind of an almost an oxymoron of you, you have faith. Yeah, I think because in popular parlance, it has become common for folks especially that are non-christians um, or you know and, and see it as their job to make christianity seem like a hoax to make to make it seem like christians are dumb or uninformed and are unintelligent and I yes think that's total bullcrap or for that matter uh, to be religious the, yeah the, the religion yeah. equals superstition because yeah, they're atheists but but i don't yeah i i don't think that and it's very much an element of if you are a thinker you will realize that it is not, well, I don't know. Because because there are just some things that you have to accept on faith. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I, I'm a firm believer of God showing up 
I'm a firm believer. In fact, I'm listening to Dallas Willard's uh, Hearing God, which I think mm-hmm. was originally called In Search of Guidance, uh, yeah, I which is, I think is his first book. But anyway, yes. Yes. it's just very interesting to go back to that first work of his and just uh, some of the things that he talks about of um, it is not an everyday occurrence Uh, for God to give us a sign or speak to us in an audible voice. It just doesn't happen. But if we seek him through scripture and prayer, Mm -hmm. hanging out with other believers, he certainly shows up and speaks to us through those things. Um, But not so much through the... um, You know, I think we look at, at, at... uh, Paul, who was known as Saul, and his conversion, mm-hmm. and kind of go, I want that kind of an experience, <laughs> and it just it doesn't Do you happen. Really though? No, no. Do you really want? No, that? I don't want yeah. it. But I think, <laughs> but I think that's what we look for. Is we look for the lightning bolt. We look for God, you know, yeah. kind of let the fleece out, and if it's wet or yeah. And again, I, I think there, he certainly does that at times because I've had close to those kinds of things, but just. Anyway, I'm, I'm rambling at this point in terms of um, it, it, this is not a sit back and enjoy the ride kind of uh, relationship faith that we have in God. Mm-hmm. You have got to be an active participant. And yeah. so. Well, God may be in control, but he's not a control freak. Yep, absolutely. We have a strong part to play. Yep. I think that's a very good way to say it. Cool. Well, I suppose that's about it for episode 14. Sounds good. All right. Thank you to everyone who's still <laughs> listening. Yeah. We're, I'm impressed that you listened to this far. Um, but we, we do appreciate your support very much. It means a lot to us. Um, we would love to get in touch with you. Um, we say this every week, but we say it every week because we mean it. We would love to get to know you and... Um, just be able to say hey and tell you thank you whether that's on a tweet or an email um so tweet us at masterclass fm or email us at masterclass fm at gmail.com and we would love to to hear from you and uh, and to get back from uh get get back to you and if you have any uh comments or questions about what we've said or you want to challenge us on on something please do let us know um we really do want to learn from you as well so thank you again for listening we'll be back next week with episode 15 because 15 comes after 14 Dave. <laughs> i learned that in my math class at one point. in like fifth grade i sure hope it wasn't that late <laughs> yeah it so wouldn't say much for the gross point school system back there in michigan but anyhow all right everyone goodbye goodbye <laughs>